Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today to Bible Prophecy Radio. I'm your host, Albert Hardy. Have you ever had to deal with stress? Well, duh, everybody does. We all do, every one of us. Nobody's immune to stress and trouble and trials. We'd like to get out of that in a rapture. We'd like to be whisked away, you know, um, caught up and avoid all the coming trouble. And a lot of people seem to think that that's the way it's going to be, that Jesus is going to make a near miss to the earth, pick us up, and we're out of here while the rest of the world is punished for their sins and destroyed. Well, no, 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 no. Not real. Let's get real. But that's not what I want to talk about today. We've already talked that over before. You can go back to previous episodes and see what the scriptures have to say about it. I want to talk about how to cope with stress a little bit, and then I want to get into some pretty tough things that we need to be prepared for. So how does God in the Bible tell us as Christians how to deal with the predicted stress that's coming on our age? Well, let's go to Philippians 4, verse 8, and see what it says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, the things that are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, or if there's any virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's quite a mouthful, really, in in one sentence to say all of that. But that is what we need to be thinking about. We don't need so much television, for one thing. The television brings on stress. It doesn't relieve it. It doesn't bring you peace. Trash it. Get rid of it. We don't need it. Personally, I had it jerked. I don't even have television in the house. I have a screen. I look at YouTube videos, but then I can choose which ones I want to see. I want to learn how to build birdhouses, how to garden, how to have peace, how to watch birds, and learn from nature. I don't care about a lot of things that are uh, popular today particularly witchcraft and the dark themes that are on television today. I don't need that in my life. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And I get rid of it. Philippians 4.8. You want, might want to jot that down. And then 1 Peter 5.7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let me tell you, in the coming days, we're all going to need to do that. We may as well get set up with uh, prayer now and establish contact with Jesus. He's waiting to hear from us. He's waiting to hear from you. He cares. 
Believe me, if he went through the gruesome trial and trouble of the cross, and I can go into great detail on that because I've studied it, but you don't get flogged with 40 lashes, save one, of a nine-tail where it exposes your bones, and then you get laid down on all of that anguish and trouble and pain on your back on a rough sawn um, wooden cross and then get nailed to it through your wrists and then stabbed and also through your feet by the way and then stabbed with a spear you don't go through all that and he not care no he cares more about you than your mom and dad so cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. See 1 Peter 5, 7. And then let's go to Mark 10 and verse 27. Jesus looked, up, uh, uh, looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And that will help you a lot. Because when you're going through a trouble or a trial, just remember, with God, all things are possible. That some good can come through, even in the face of death. We can't change that. We're all going to die. That's just the way it is. And death, to me, is like a good night's sleep. We go to sleep, and you wake up in a resurrection. Excuse me, in a resurrection, and that's what yesterday was all about. It was so-called Resurrection Day. Many call it Easter. I don't. I call it the Resurrection Day. Even though God never said anywhere to celebrate it. I find that fascinating. We do it anyway. Maybe it's respectful. I, I don't know. That's our intent. Mark 10, 27, Mark 10, 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with God, all things are possible. Now, what else? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation and trouble, tribulation and trouble, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, that's pretty awkward language. Let's see what the NLT has to say there. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Here's the way it reads. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, 
the more God will show us with his comfort through Christ. So, in other words, the more comfort he will show us, the more we suffer. So, suffering is part of the deal. It really is. And we need to accept that. I mean, I need to accept that, that I'm going to suffer. That's just the way life is and the way it needs to be, that we might learn what we are here to learn. Patience and godliness and all the other things. See Galatians 5.22, for example. Here's another point. There is more happiness in giving than in receiving. See Acts 20, verse 35. And now let's go to Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. We all, I, 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 need to be more thankful for all the good God has done for me. And I can tell you some stories. Believe me, he has given me so much protection deliverance. I put myself through a lot of scary situations in places that I never dreamed I would ever go. And looking back on it today, I would never go again. Are you kidding me? No way. For example, I rode my bike to an old gravel pit by myself, miles away from anybody. And I didn't tell anybody where I was going. I just happened to find it. I went there and I sat on the edge of this very deep hole in the ground and there was water down below and nothing but gravel all around. And I'm sitting on this gravel and lo and behold, my foot slips and pushes that gravel and I watch it as it tumbles down that hill into the water. And I couldn't swim. And even if I could, I would have worn myself out before anybody would have heard me. I was miles from anybody. What an idiot. (laughs) Stupid things kids do. But God protected me. And this is only just one example of hundreds, which I put myself through. I mean hundreds of them. I was an adventurer. I wanted to be outside playing around instead of sitting down at the piano like my mother wanted me to do. No, but I was a stupid kid. Hopefully those days are long gone. Let's keep in mind that peace is a part of God's Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 again. Here's the way the NLT puts Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against all of these things. That's pretty good. I do like the NLT in many cases. And lastly, I want to go to 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Every test that you've experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise, and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. 
and this is in the GNT, by the way. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with a way out. That's, that's pretty good. Now I want to go to the 24th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Look, the Lord is about to destroy the earth and make it a vast wasteland. You know, if we can't handle the stress of living now, how's it going to be in the future? We got to get ready. We got to stay close to God, to Jesus, through prayer and Bible study every single day. Walk with him. Spend your time with him. Think about him. Dwell with him. Think about the coming of his kingdom and the splendor that he's going to bring to this earth as he takes control of every single government on the planet. And you can be a part of that, and so can I, according to Scripture. We are his children. We'll do what he does. He devastates the surface of the earth and scatters the people. Priests and lay people, servants and masters, maids and mistresses, buyers and sellers, lenders and borrowers, bankers and debtors, none will be spared. The earth will be completely emptied and looted. The Lord has spoken. The earth dries up and mourns, and the crops waste away and wither. Even the greatest people on earth will waste away. The earth suffers for their sins, for the sins of the people. Wow. For they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broken his everlasting covenant. We have broken faith with God. Verse 6, Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must pay the price for their sin. They are destroyed by fire, and only a few are left alive. Now, you talk about trouble. That is the definition of trouble. Whoa. No wonder Jesus and Daniel both said that a time of trouble is coming which has not been before and never will be again, ever. The people are destroyed for their sins. They are destroyed by fire, and only a few are left alive. That's scary stuff. The grapevines waste away, and there is no new wine. All the merrymakers sigh and mourn. The cheerful sound of tambourines is stilled. The happy cries of celebration are heard no more. The melodious sounds and chords of the harp and the guitar, for example, are silent. Gone are the sounds of uh, merriment and song. Gone are the joys of wine and song. Alcoholic drink turns bitter in the mouth. The city writhes in chaos. Every home is locked to keep out intruders. Now, I think the King James there says, boarded up. Mobs gather in the streets, crying out for wine. 
Joy has turned to gloom, and gladness has been banished from the land. Whoa. This is pretty much uh, detailing what's happening in Matthew 24 as well. The city is left in ruins, its gate uh, gates battered down. Throughout the earth, the story is the same. Only a remnant is left, like the stray olives left on a tree after harvest, in other words, or the few grapes left on the vine after harvest. But all who are left shout and sing for joy. See, it's not all gloom and doom. Those in the West, is he talking about America maybe? Those in the West praise the Lord's majesty. In the Eastern lands give glory to the Lord. In the lands beyond the sea, praise the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. We hear songs of praise from the ends of the earth, songs uh, that give glory to the righteous one. But my heart is heavy with grief. Weep for me, for I wither away. Deceit still prevails. Treachery is everywhere. Talk about stress. Yeah. Terror traps, or terror and traps and snares will be your lot, you people of the earth. Whoa. Those who flee in terror will fall into a trap, and those who escape the trap will be caught in a snare. Destruction falls like rain from the heavens. The foundations of the earth shake. Oh, man, that's scary. Can you imagine walking and the earth shaking beneath your feet? What happens to you? You shake too, let me tell you. And it won't be fun. The earth is broken up. It is utterly co- excuse me, collapsed. It is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunk. It trembles like a tent in a storm, and it falls and will not rise again, at least not the way it used to be. For the guilt of its rebellion is very heavy. In that day, the Lord will punish the little g-gods of the heavens and the proud rulers of the nations of the earth. They will be rounded up and put in prison. They will be shut up in prison and will finally be punished as if they had been avoiding it all this time. Then the glory of the moon will wane, and the brightness of the sun will fade. For the Lord of heaven's armies will rule in or on Mount Zion. That's Jerusalem. He will rule in great glory in Jerusalem in the sight of all the leaders of his people. See, that is the conclusion of chapter 24 of Isaiah. This is the NLT version. In 25, we continue, O Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. You saved us, and for one. You planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. You turn mighty cities into heaps of ruins, Cities with strong walls are now turned to rubble. Beautiful palaces in distant lands will disappear and never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong nations will declare your glory. Ruthless nations will fear you. But you are a tower of refuge. 
to the poor. Talk about relief from stress going to the scriptures. You are a tower of refuge to the poor, O Lord, a tower of refuge to the needy in distress. You are a refuge from the storm and a shelter from the heat. For the oppressive acts of ruthless people are like a storm beating against a wall or like a relent, the relentless heat of the desert. But you silence the, the roar of foreign nations. As the shade of a cloud cools the relentless heat, so the boastful songs of ruthless people are stilled. In Jerusalem, the Lord of Heaven's armies will spread out a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. Now, that means, to me, all the people still left alive. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and the choicest of meat, or choice meat. There he will remove the cloud of gloom and the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will, did you ever see that one before? This is chapter 25, verse 7 um, of Isaiah in the NLT. He will remove the cloud of gloom. There is a cloud of gloom coming. As I've explained, chapter 34, verse 9 and uh, Revelation 9, verse 2. But he's going to remove this shadow of death that hangs over the earth. I just want to go to Revelation 9 to a minute. We'll be right back there at chapter 25 in just a second. In uh, Revelation 9 and verse 2, the NLT has it like this. When he opened the bottomless pit, the shaft of the bottomless pit, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace and the sunlight and the air turned dark from the smoke. Yeah, it would. In 34, verse 9 of um, Isaiah, we read this. The streams of Edom will be filled with burning pitch, and the ground will be covered with fire. This judgment on Edom will never end. The smoke of its burning will rise forever. The land will lie deserted from generation to generation, and no one will live there anymore. So, where is this place? The Middle East. That's where. And um, the streams of Edom are going to turn into burning pitch. Well, Edom is Esau. Esau settled in Mount Seir and the surrounding towns. His, uh, his 12 sons, or, or uh, tribal, they became tribal leaders and spread out all over the Middle East. So I'm thinking Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Iran, uh, parts of Turkey, Saudi Arabia, in those areas, that oil nest will be caught on fire through the war that's coming. Talk about stress. That's going to make it stressful because the smoke will blanket the earth as it turns. 
day after day, those fires will not be able to be put out. So we haven't seen anything yet. As Bachman Turner Overdrive, I believe uh, their song talks about that. We ain't seen nothing yet. Well, true. So anyway, be prepared to face some stress. We already talked about those things. Now let's continue in chapter 25. He will remove, or there he will remove the, sh the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. Thanks be to Jesus dying that terrible death on the cross. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. Doesn't that sound beautiful? He will remove forever all the insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. All of his enemies are going to be dead and not come back. Now, where do you get that idea that they're going to die and not come back? Jeremiah chapter 51 And verses 39 and 57. Here's what the NLT says about it. Now, let's see. Jeremiah 51, verse 39. And while they lie inflamed with all their wine, I will prepare a different kind of feast for them. I will make them drink I will make them drink until they fall asleep, and they will never wake up again, says the Lord. And then it says much the same thing in verse 57, chapter 39, or um, chapter 51 of Jeremiah. I will make her officials and wise men drunk along with their captains, officers, and warriors, they will fall asleep and never wake up again, says the king, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies. He signs his name to this verse twice. They're not lying around in hell, burning and burning and burning forever and ever in anguish, screaming and crying and cursing at God. Why would he put up with that? No. Now let's go back to chapter 27 of the book of Isaiah. I meant to say uh, chapter 25. Sorry about that. He will remove forever all the insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. In that day, the people will proclaim, they will proclaim, This is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. Yay. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. For the Lord's hand of blessing will rest on Jerusalem. But Moab will be crushed. It will be like straw, trampled down and left to rot. God will push down Moab's people as a swimmer pushes down water with his hands. He will end their pride and all their evil works. 
The high walls of Moab will be demolished, and they will be brought down to the ground, down to the dust. So God's going to destroy, kill, if you will, our enemies. Now I'd like to wrap this up with a couple more scriptures about how to deal with these stressful situations. Let's go to 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing had happened to you. No, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Count it all joy. Now this is James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, another great fruit of God's Holy Spirit. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then in 1 Peter 5.10, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And that's exactly what God is trying to do for all of us. Suffering results in good fruit. So let's do that. Let's be patient and run our race to the end. And hang in there. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. You can go to itellwhy.com and see my videos and audios and everything else. All my books and everything are there for free. There's no ads. I don't want your email. Till next time, I'm Elbert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in today, and have a great one.